All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of The Real Impact. Um, got a great guest for you guys here today. Um, actually met him at a mastermind a few months back. Um, so looking forward to it, and we'll dive in in a second. All right, so I'm going to bring in Richard. What's going on, man? What's up, brother? How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Heck yeah, man. Um, so yeah, man, I just really want to, you know, kick this off and, um, you know, really just kind of tell everybody, you know, what kind of got you into real estate, what, what got <clears> you, <throat> to, you know, to start, and then we'll dive into, you know, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me start off by saying I apologize for the backdrop. I'm actually on a, uh, a 10 day hiatus with the family. We got to Seattle. So we're driving down the coast and just having a good time. So I'm in a hotel uh, office center. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I got got uh, got a real estate about five plus. Um, I'm a half Arabian. So I prior to real estate, I was trying to fulfill my Arabian destiny by owning a gas station. And, uh, you know, that failed epically. And uh, I eventually stumbled into real estate, and, and here we are today. Okay, so the gas station world, huh? That's <clears throat> uh, not not as uh, not as great as it's cracked up to be, honestly. But uh, <laughs> got into that business yeah. and then failed horribly. And uh, at the time, I just had my third child, so we had three kids under thirteen months old, and no savings. Uh, you know, no trade, not knowing what the hell I was going to do and uh, stumbled across wholesale real estate and gave it a shot. And about 30 days later, 35 days later, landed my first deal. And that was uh, about 500 plus deals ago. Yeah. OK. How, when when was that like timeline wise? You know, we're in 2022. Yeah, now. That was, uh, yeah, that was 2017, mid 2017. OK, so here we are about five years later. Right. And uh, I'd say yeah. it looks a little bit different now, huh? Looks a lot different now. I'm extremely yeah. grateful. I had no no idea this was but uh, it was possible through wholesale real estate. Yeah. So I mean, let's kind of let's kind of break that down, right? I mean, so you just you said you kind of stumbled into it. Do you remember like what it was that you came across or or that got you into it? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, to give you a little bit of a backstory, like at the time I was driving two hours. Uh, two hour commute to work. I was working a 10 hour shift, driving two hours back. I was making like 700 bucks a week. It was a pretty shitty situation to be in, uh, <laughs> especially with three kids. Yeah. And uh, I just got frustrated. I got to the point to where I was like, God, these guys are making, you know, people are making millions of dollars a year and people are thriving and I'm over here and I can't even pay my rent. There's um, got to be more. So that's what, yeah, there's, there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. There's got to be. Like, like if, if Joe Schmo can make millions of dollars per year, why can't I at least pay my bills, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking into self-development and I started following a, cool, a couple of cool influential people on Instagram and I came across uh, Secret Entourage. Okay. And uh interview with Nick Ruiz talking about wholesale real estate, no money, no credit needed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I can resonate with that. I've got no money. I've got no credit. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the triggers, right? All the trigger words. <laughs> exactly. Let's see what this is all about. So 
Um, I ended up swiping my, my cousin's credit card for 500 bucks and bought that guy's course. And dude, I, I inhaled that content all day, every single day while I was at the gas station working and on my commute to and from work. And I applied what I learned in it. And like I said, about 35 days later, closed my first deal, made 2,300 bucks. And it was a JV deal. So I ended up making like, I don't know, seventeen, $1,800 after I negotiated with the, uh, the JV partner. And dude, that's yeah. when I realized that, Hey, there's. This could be something some real. Could be something serious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because I mean, a lot of people, I think a lot of people have this, you know, idea, right? That like once they get into it, their first deal is going to be this, you know, ten k, twenty k, just like life changing banger of a deal, right? And um, a lot of times it's not the case, you know. A lot of times it's literally just that first deal that takes it from like you know faith to fact, right? Like faith that it works to like fact, you know, oh shit, this actually does work, you know? So like, what was it for you that really like clicked? I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it was $1,800 deal, right? That's not, you know, a life-changing amount of money. Right. Um, but what was it for you that like clicked that you were like, okay, there's, you know, there's more here. Right. Right. That's a great question and a great statement. So just the fact that I could literally, make any amount of money from nothing. I, I threw out a couple of bandit signs, took a few phone calls <laughs> and landed, you know, $1,800. And dude, at the time I was working 84 hours, roughly per week, making yeah. you know, 700 bucks. And I'm like, dude, this took me five hours of my time. Like, this is a reality. Um, and just ran with it. Yeah. I mean, dude, for, so I have a buddy of mine that they, he owns a Seven Eleven gas station here. So like, for people that don't know, that's a grind. Like, I'm sure, you know, you've got more experience than I do, but like just from knowing him and seeing what he goes through, like the gas station game is a grind. And it, from from what he tells me, like they make most of their money from the retail sales, like from like the stuff they have inside than they do like actually like selling gas. Is that right? Yeah, dude. And that, that's the reality of it. People think that we yeah. were making money in gas. Dude, there's no money to be made in gas unless you got like a big truck stop or a big pilot. Um, but if you, you got a, a regular size gas station, you're making money on the inside sales. But even then, like I told you, dude, it, it takes so much time and effort. You've got to yeah. be there. And of course, it's scalable like any other business, but it's so much right. harder to scale. Um, Especially with a young family, yeah. too, man. Yeah, yeah. But, but look, I, I look back now and I'm very grateful for it happening. In the moment, I would literally scream at the top of my lungs asking God, <laughs> why, why are you putting me in this situation? Like, I've got, uh -huh. I've got a wife. I've got three kids under 13 months old. I've got no money saved. I have over $100,000 in debt that I acquired from that gas station um, that I don't talk about too often because it <laughs> kind of triggers some PTSD. But uh, Right. <laughs> So, okay. So now, yeah. you know, you, you close that $1,800 deal, right? You realize there's like, there's some legs to this thing. Right. So then what next, you know, like what, what do you do next? Obviously, you know, you're still in the gas station. You just closed your first deal. It's a JV deal. Um, so, you know, kind of like what next, right? Yeah, yeah. Good question. For me, it was a simple wash, rinse, repeat, um, do the process over and over again. And, so I'm, I'm in the Memphis market. The spreads aren't massive like they are in, in the areas that you guys are in. Uh, so I, I'd hit these little two, 3K cracks. And of course, we make a lot more per deal now. But at the time, that's what I was doing, two or 3K cracks at a time. And it, for me, it was life-changing, right? That was life-changing mm -hmm. money. And 
uh, it gave me the confidence knowing that, the, like, like you said, there's more out there to life. And uh, I got to the point to where I got about five or six deals down and I decided that I wanted to, you know, look at other marketing channels. And that's when I dabbled with, you know, some cold calling, direct mail, stuff like that. Okay. So obviously like talking about cold calling, right? That's kind of like, that's what I think. <clears throat> I want to say, I want to say probably 90% of people probably start with, right? Um, is cold calling you know, cause it's, I don't want to say easy, but like, it's the, I think the most direct, right. You know, PPC, you have to learn this, you know, this, this skill set. you know, you got to navigate, you know, Google and everything like that. But like, what was it for you that kind of like drove you to go into cold? Obviously I know what it was for, for me. Right. Um, but you know, what was it for you? Like coming from, you know, not necessarily like a sales background, more of like an operational background, to you know want to dive into the cold calling yeah so i got to a point to where i really wasn't seeing great results anymore with uh, the bandit signs and the direct their direct mail but i know the reason as to why i wasn't seeing results with direct mails because i didn't have the freaking budget for it right i was working <laughs> with pennies yeah like, i'd get to the point where i'd close a little three thousand dollar deal and you know most people could just throw that money right back into marketing i had to say okay well do i pay for daycare do i pay for diapers or do i market you know it's different um, when you got a family, but, man. Dude, it's so, so different when you have a family, especially when you have multiple kids. It's like mm -hmm. uh, very difficult choices to make. But um, to answer your question, uh, low barrier to entry, right? We're, we're heavy cold call now, um, even now that we do, you know, 100 to 150 deals per year. Um, but it was the low barrier to entry that was enticing to me. So that's what I, I hopped into cold calling and didn't do very well at it the first couple months. But <laughs> once you really try to, you know, you figure out the, the processes and then the systems and um, that's when you really start to thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, uh, again, I think another common misconception, right, is with cold calling, it's just easy, right? And it's just pick up the phone and talk to people. Um, but kind of kind of fill us in a little bit is uh, when you first start cold calling, what's the experience like? Dude, for someone like me, like I, I was, I'm an introvert um, and I really was back in the day, but I, I kind of grew out of my shell knowing that I had to vocalize more and get out there to make money in real estate. So for me, cold calling was terrifying. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of talking to someone on the phone, I just felt intimidated and uh, didn't know what the hell I was doing. But uh, dude, it's uh, it's an entirely different ball game for us now. Um, we actually have a cold calling company. Um, I'd love to talk mm -hmm. about that later on if we get a minute. And, uh, yeah. Like you said, the misconception is people think they're going to buy a little list and upload it to the dialer and start cranking out deals. But the reality is it takes so much more effort than that. Oh, yeah. Well, especially when you first get started, right? Most people don't even have a dialer or, you know, know how to even like structure a list or, you know, anything or, you know, they'll pull this like, They'll go to prop stream, right? They'll sign up for that, you know, the free trial. They'll get the prop stream. They'll download their first 10,000 record list. They realize that like half those records are LLCs, you know, or they'll realize that like half those yeah, records yeah. are trusts or something like that. And like, you know, for anybody watching that doesn't understand what that means, like to skip trace, to get contact information for an LLC or contact information for a trust is super difficult, especially like if you don't have the resources and you're first starting out, like, it's not as simple as just, you know, submit the list to a skip tracing company and get it back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, I think again, like you said, it's not just as simple as like upload the list, start the dialer. Like 
the conversations you have in cold calling are brutal. You know, like some of the conversations you have in cold calling are brutal. And like, if you don't have thick skin or like, if you don't have like a strong enough, like why, then it's super easy to get discouraged right off the bat. You know, Um, very much so. You know, I think you're, you're a lot similar to like how I am. Like any, anybody I talk to is just getting started. I tell them like, yo, start cold calling, you know, like, get that active marketing going, get that proactive marketing going, that outreach, you know, um, inbound marketing is great. But I think for anybody, like you said, the lowest barrier to entry is cold calling. And, uh, but yeah, if you don't have tough skin and you're, you don't have a strong enough, why dude, you'll get beat up cold calling. And I'm sure you've got some horror stories. I I've got my fair share of horror stories of cold calling. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, man, when you first get going. Very, very. I mean, it's so tough that we, uh, whenever we're onboarding someone, you know, whether it's an acquisition person or whoever, we throw them on the dialer, right? Like you said, you got to have that thick skin. And if you could, uh, dude, if you can cold call and get cussed out multiple times per day, you could, you could pretty much do anything. You can uh, conquer the world, man. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. Big misconception with people, dude, even with our cold calling company, you know, we'll bring people on, onboard them and, they have this dream of, you know, closing three, four five deals per month, just starting out with one call around. Like, yeah, like there's so many, so many methods that you need to you know follow and process that you need to take. So uh, fun times. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I mean, so let's let's kind of keep going down the timeline. Right. You know, <clears throat> so you get your first deal. You know, obviously, it's just kind of like rinse and repeat, you know, and just keep, you know, keep doing the process. Right. Um, <clears throat> You know, I've got a wife, I'm married, we've got children as well. And, you know, I started this business, you know, in that, right? Like I started this business when I was married, when we had kids and everything. So I know how difficult it is, like taking that leap, right? Um, So talk about like the support, right? Like how big was it, you know, was, you know, was your wife supportive initially, you know, and if not, why not? So like, how did that impact you know you going forward no for sure so dude my my wife my uh my warrior queen i call her she's been supportive from day one with everything i've ever done um, i used to be a, a national level bodybuilder and she was right there with me you know forced me to eat and forced me to train and um when we transitioned into into the real estate she was right there with me pushing me to get better every day so there's no way I could have done any of this without her. And as cliche as that may sound like I no, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely mean that. Like if you don't have a warrior queen or or, or, or king and you're in your uh, your support group, dude, you're, it's gonna be very difficult to make it. Um so she was there for me from day one, she still is. And uh dude, my my biggest struggle really wasn't starting out. My biggest struggle wasn't really getting my first, you know, landing my first deal or five deals. Like anyone could do that. My biggest struggle was was scaling. My biggest struggle was going from, you know, making four or five grand a month to making, you know, whatever, 30, 40, 50 plus a month. That was my biggest right. struggle there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> when did when did you kind of when did you kind of hit that roadblock? That like kind of like roadblock, right? Because obviously, like you said, like in Memphis, you know, I think in Memphis from like from my perspective right the volume is a little bit higher but the spreads are a little bit lower is that i mean and it could be it could be wrong now right i think once you kind of figure it out 
you know, that is wrong. But just like for somebody starting off, I think, you know, with those like, you know, smaller markets, not not as big like MSA wise, um, you know, I think the spreads are going to be a little bit smaller, but you, you know, you're going to get a little bit more frequency of your deals. So when for exactly, you, exactly. you kind of, yeah, when for you did you kind of hit that roadblock of, you know, okay, we're consistently pushing out, you know, five, six, seven grand a month, but like, you know, what next, right? <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. So I would say 2018, 2019 was when I was going through my biggest stage of frustration. Like I said, five, seven, eight, 10 grand, maybe 15 once in a while. And you know how it is. Dude. I'm talking gross numbers, not net. So mm-hmm. I, I was making pennies off of that. And uh, that's when I linked up with, uh, I decided to link up with Joe Dillon. I'm sure you know Joe Dillon out of Florida. Great, great guy. Um, got with him in, in 2019. Um, at, the, at the point, at that time, I think we're doing like 20 grand or so, roughly 25 a month. And uh, that's when we just skyrocketed to, to, you know, 100 plus per month, I'd say mid to late 2019. Okay. What would you say were the biggest, like, changes that you, you know, that you made personally, but you also made, you know, internally, like inside the company? Okay. Uh, so one thing I try to preach as often as possible is everything is mindset. I feel the majority of success is mindset, right? You've got to truly believe that you deserve it. Um, that was one of my biggest things, like even in the gas station business, for some reason, like when we take our little draw sporadically once every couple months and make a little thousand bucks as being the owner, I felt as if I didn't deserve it for some reason. But once I got out of that mindset, um, and realized that I truly deserve success, that I truly deserve, you know, wealth and, and freedom, um, that's when things started to change for me. So mindset shift, massive mindset mm-hmm. shift. Just being fearless, going in there, knowing that I'm going to lose money, knowing that I'm going to fall, that I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to fall face first, yeah. but I'm going to get right back up. So okay, yeah, it's expecting to fail, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's embracing the fact that that's going to happen, you know, and I think that's key, not just in like real estate, but also like in any you know venture or anything like that that you're doing. Like, there's going to be things that you're just not good at, right? But you're not going to know unless you try it, unless you fail at it, and unless you just go do it. So, I mean, I think that's huge, right? Especially when it comes time to like kind of like breaking that ceiling that you guys were at is that like, you know, the same thing that got you to do in those consistent, you know, five, six, seven grand months definitely weren't the same things that got you guys to do in, you know, 100 plus months, you know? And so I think that's a big kicker there is also from like a leadership perspective, you know, it's like, how different was your leadership from, you know, when you were doing the the smaller months to, you know, knowing you guys had to grow, knowing what you needed to do to grow? How did your leadership change? Uh, again, as cliche as it may sound, uh, I, had to, <laughs> I, I understood that I had to lead from the front. I understood that I had to take those risks and I understood that uh, I had to I had to push my team. And, and we had a very small team at the time. Uh, but still, we had a team nonetheless, and I knew that I had to kind of show them, hold their hand, walk them through it. Um, there are times where I'd hop on, on, on a call with a seller and, and close a deal that was just short of closing or hop on a hop on a call with a buyer. Uh, he was kind of on the fence with buying one of our deals, like essentially leading from the front and taking those risks, knowing like we just talked about that 
I might drop 10 grand on marketing and not get a damn penny back for it from it. Uh, but that's the risk that I have to take in business. Mm -hmm. um, All right. So now let's fast forward, right? This was, you know, 17, 18, 19, right? Now we're in, you know, September, 2022. What's it look like now? Things look a lot different. Uh, a lot different. Uh, you <laughs> tell, I'm, I'm on a, a 10 day hiatus. Uh, really haven't checked in with the team much. They're kind of doing their own thing. Are we perfect? Not even close. Um, can we do better? Will we do better? Absolutely. Uh, but dude, I'm, I'm, I'm living life. We have a team. We've got uh, a couple acquisition killers. We've got the, uh, you know, transaction coordinator who does amazing. We have a disposition manager that I just brought on. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing good. We're knocking out a couple million dollars per year to sign with fees and we're all, we're all thriving. Heck yeah, man. So what is, what is like your team look like now? Um, you say you got a couple acquisitions, <laughs> you got a um, let's kind of break that down granular for, you know, people that are watching now or people that might, you know, watch in the future. Um, you know, cause obviously you guys are doing a couple million in assignment fees a year. Right. And I think the, the biggest misconception, right. Is in order to do numbers like that, you have to have this just like massive organization. Right. So what's, you know, what's kind of like, what's your team look like now? And also that's one thing I'm really proud of, uh, and not necessarily for me only, but for my team. So. Like you, you, you said it, you hit the nail on the head, right? People assume that you have to have this massive in-house team of, you know, 10, 20, 30 people. And that's just not the truth, right? Um, so we're a very mean and lean team. We have two full-time acquisition managers. Uh, I've got a, a follow-up specialist slash lead manager. Um, I've got a transaction coordinator and a disposition manager. And those are the only people that we have in-house. So we're literally a team of what one, two, three, four, five people locally. Okay. And then what uh, about what about uh, virtually? So virtually, we're we're heavy cold call. Um, I would mm -hmm. say ninety, probably ninety eight percent of our deals come from our cold calling team. Uh, we have anywhere from fifteen to twenty cold callers in the Philippines, and we have a killer, killer cold calling manager out there by the name of Pam. She's probably watching this right now. Shout out to Pam. Um, and she essentially manages that cold calling team. She does all the hiring, the firing, the auditing. Um, cause that, that's part of the cold calling success. I'm sure you know that also you can't just, oh, yeah. you know, hire a, a three, four, five dollar hour cold caller and, and, and hope they, uh, they close deals for you. You've got to train them. You've got to audit them. You've got a full time job them. in and of itself. <laughs> it's a full time stinking job. And once I realized that, that's when I kind of passed that baton over to Pam and she's doing very, very good at it. Okay. So. You guys have a super lean team. You know, you guys are cranking out, you know, assignments and everything. You guys are doing a million plus a year in assignments. Um, when when did you kind of like, okay, cold calling's there. You know, let's let's kind of let's dip into that a little bit more. Cause I know, like you said earlier, you've got a cold calling company. So when did that kind of when did you kind of give birth to that cold calling company and what was the kind of motivation behind that? Yeah, so Austin, I'm, I'm sure you get calls like I do all the time. <laughs> callers who just sound god awful, and I'm, oh, you know, yeah. I get calls every day, and I'm literally questioning like, how how are you employed? You know, mm -hmm. um, and about a year ago, that's when I thought like, dude, we're having major success with cold calling. We're literally closing over a hundred deals per year alone just from cold calling. Why not turn this into something? You know, why not offer this this service to other investors? There's 
plenty out there for everyone. Why not uh, monetize it? So that's when uh, I decided to put the company together and uh, I decided to bring Pam in. She's a partner with us. Um, and we put it together about a year ago and we really just started marketing a couple months ago. Um, trying to take it nice and slow and steady. Right. You don't want to kind of, yeah, you don't want to over leverage anything, especially with something like that, where it's very people driven, you know, very performance driven, um, you know, so are you guys, so I'm, I'm assuming Pam handles like training them and, you know, making sure they're up to date on their script and making sure that, you know, they're up to date on their campaigns and everything like that. Yep, exactly. So she does, like I said, all the hiring, all the firing, all the onboarding, the training. Um, we don't provide a dialer. Uh, our clients right. have to provide their own dialer and their own data, of course. But we provide a super highly qualified cold calling ninja, as we call them. And again, they go through our onboarding process. And not only do we hand them off to you, but we also train them along the way. So Pam will have weekly huddles with them. She'll audit mm -hmm. the calls weekly. Uh, I mean, that's called what it is. So she'll make sure they're not milking the clock. Like it's oh, yeah. a full-time freaking job to have a quality cold call. And people just don't realize that. They just, like I said, they assume you can hire anyone off of Fiverr and uh, start closing deals, but that doesn't happen. Nope. And I've went through those struggles, man. I think I, <laughs> a lot of people have, you know, like, um, dude, I'll never forget, you know, two years ago, um, hiring my first cold caller, right? Super nice guy, crushed the interview, and I'm hyped. You know, like, I'm like, dude, we're about to take this to the next level. Like, this is it. And um, I'm sitting there throughout the day and I'm just like looking at my CRM and I'm like, oh, leads are about to start flowing in. Hour goes by, nothing. Another hour goes by, nothing. About five hours go by, nothing comes in. I was like, what the? hold on a second. Log into my dialer. I listen to this guy. And, uh, you know, we're based in Jacksonville, Florida, right? And um, he's literally calling people asking about Jackson Field and like wasn't on script whatsoever, like completely off the wall conversations. I could hear chicken clucking in the back like it was <laughs> it was crazy. Right. And like that was my first experience with like outsourcing a cold caller. Right. So like um, I was like mortified, you know, um, so I would suggest for anybody like anybody just getting started and, you know, use it as a plug, whatever, but like anybody getting started, there is, there is definitely a shortcut when it comes to like hiring a qualified agency or hiring someone who's, you know, done the, the hard work or the grunt work of finding qualified agents or training them. Right. Like, you know, you're not going to hear the chickens in the background. They're not going to mispronounce, you know, your city or whatever it is, you know? Um, dude, I'll, yeah. I won't forget that, man. That was crazy. You and me both, right? And, and then you can take it a step further and talk about how, you know, they get an excuse for, for being late or, or taking days off, tsunamis, volcanoes, earthquakes. I'm going to say the Wi-Fi goes out. <laughs> yeah. They got to they gotta go back to the store to refill their data card. Um, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. All, all the different excuses, right? And, and uh, you know, and I think there is something to be said, right? Like if you can, if you can successfully build out a cold calling you know, team in house, then obviously, you know, you're going to have a lot more control over it. You're going to have a lot more, um, you know, kind of direct hands on. Um, but man, dude, that's hard, you know, and it's tough. It's like you said, it's a full-time job. So 
I'm a yeah. I'm a it's huge like proponent. Yours. It's like yours. Yeah. It's I'm a, a huge advocate for uh, cold calling. A huge advocate for cold calling agencies. If you can't tell. <laughs> for sure. For and, and, and guys, even if it's not with us, I I'm, I think you're spot on. Like hire a cold call agency to get going, knock out some deals, and then slowly build out your own team. But to start off on your own, it's just it's a disaster. Yeah, it's tough. So um, let's dive into it now, right? Because I know, um, you know, whenever we spoke at the uh, the event that we were at, right, you guys are also diving into a lot of like innovations. I think you said you guys were doing some flips as well. So, you know, it's not just wholesaling anymore, right? Um, kind of explain like how did your business model kind of shift, you know, from just doing wholesaling? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and let me say this, guys, I want to put this out here for everyone to hear it. So, especially the newbie wholesaler. The newbie wholesaler feels that wholesaling is not, you know, a good exit strategy. And, and the, the end-all, be-all game is to become a flipper. And for me, personally, that's just not, not sexy. Not it. It's not it. No. I don't flip anymore. Dude, I flip, like, maybe four houses a year, maybe. Yeah. Because um, I enjoy it. They've got to be banger deals, too, don't they? Yeah, dude, they got to be banger deals. It's just not it. And and I, from what I've seen, the majority of people who are flipping are people who really can't wholesale or aren't very efficient at wholesaling. Um, the majority, not all of them, of course. But mm -hmm. I enjoy wholesaling. Um, the cash cycle is quicker, right? In and out, make a quick 10, 15, 20, whatever you're doing, whatever you make, whatever your average size is. And you've got no risk or, or very low risk. And uh, you can deploy that capital and 10 exit over the next freaking three months compared to sitting on a freaking property for three, four months waiting for it to flip. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. But so yeah, we, we wholesale, wholesale first. Um, we do a lot of innovations as well. Not so many this year as we did last year because we kind of shifted into, uh, you know, I, I add to my rental portfolio as often as possible. We sell the hedge funds as well. But uh, innovations were a big game changer for us last year. Over a million dollars in assignment fees or innovation fees last year alone. Um, so definitely don't, uh, don't miss that wave. <laughs> yeah. So let's kind of just in like layman's <clears throat> terms, right? What, what is innovation? Yeah. So to break it down, innovation is nothing more than, uh, going under a contract like you would with a seller, but there's a clause in that contract that allows you to innovate or assign your contract. Essentially innovate is, it's another word for assign or replace your mm -hmm. contract. To an end buyer because technically you can't you can't assign a deal at least in my area you cannot assign a deal to a uh, conventional buyer right somebody right, who's going to buy a property buyer. right right through financing so we we innovate our contract so we're kind of just partnering up with our our seller and uh we're doing all the legwork for them and we're making we're making a nice size spread doing that heck yeah yeah i mean it's essentially just telling the seller like hey you're gonna you're gonna get the contracted amount we're just we're going to have an, a different way of finding the end buyer. Yeah. Yep. No, I, mean, I think that's huge too. Right. I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it, the trend, right. Obviously slow down a little bit as the market shifts, you know? Um, but I still think there's a huge market for it, you know? So that's, that's my yeah. thoughts. We're not, we're not doing them. We're not doing them as much. Right. Um, but I definitely think there is a huge market for the innovations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're not doing it as much either, man. We're getting kicked in the face every day now. We, and we <laughs> had to back out a couple of deals last week that we thought we we're going to make a quick 20 on. Uh, we're going to innovate. And 
the market's different, right? We're shifting. No one really knows where it's going, um, but you know, we're going to pivot. We're going to adapt and we'll, we'll be just fine. So now on that topic, what are, what are your thoughts with everything kind of going forward? Where do you think it's going? You know, I think everybody's kind of got similar opinions, but different opinions. You know what I mean? Right. Dude, I don't, I don't know. What I do know is that uh, we're wholesalers, right? We're direct to seller. So if anyone has a freaking chance, it's us. Right. Right. Like these, it's going to be tough on flippers. Let's be real. It's going to be very tough on flippers. Um, but we're direct to seller. The only thing that we need to change, the only thing is the offer amount mm -hmm. um, and convincing our seller that it makes sense to accept a lower offer. That's the only thing that we got to change, really. Yep. Yeah, I think a big piece of that, too, is like education, right? Um, you know, a big uh, one of the big things like we train our team on right now, especially is like, you know, being that professional whenever they're talking to the to the seller. Right. You know, like if you go to the doctor, the doctor tells you something like you might question it. But at the end of the day, like they give you a prescription, you're probably going to fill it, you know, um, and that's kind of the same the way that we like look at talking to sellers. Right. It's like we're the professional. This is what we do. And so we have to provide them the resources and the education as to why the offer is where it is or what, why the market's doing what it's doing. Um, you know, I think that's a huge piece to everything going on right now, you know, cause like you said, right. It's, it's the biggest issue right now is just getting sellers to accept the fact that the offer is not what it was three months ago, you know, not what it was four months ago. Uh, right. you know, how drastically everything's changed. It's crazy. It really is. My team's super frustrated. We got, I think last week or the week before we locked up like six, seven deals and dude, three months ago, that would have been probably, you know, 140 grand, hundred, whatever, over a hundred grand easily. And it ended up being like 20. So the mm -hmm. team is, uh, we're definitely going through some, some pains right now. And I'm sure all of us are to an extent. Yeah. It's just part of business. That's part of the game that we play, right? If you want a normal job that's consistent and stable, you know, go, go work somewhere else. But uh, if you want to, you want to thrive, Dude, continue doing what you're doing, and that's for that's for me too. That's for all of us. Not not just not the employees, but this business as a whole. Like we just got to accept the fact oh, yeah. that this is the reality of what we do. Yeah, well, and that's like you know we just had our our Monday morning meeting this morning, right? And like one of the things that I touched on with our team it really heavy this morning is like we're we're about to be a huge problem solver for a lot of people, right? We're about to fill our we're about to fill our role like really well. Um, I like my opinion, like I think in the next couple months, like there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of issues where, you know, we as like a wholesaling company can really provide a huge solution to their problem, you know? And I think the biggest, the biggest hurdle we're going to have is, you know, just like you said, right. It's just letting them know that the price is what it is and here's why, you know? And, and that's where I, like, that's what we, like, I really preached on with our team this morning is like. You know, we we have to switch our tone from, I you know, and I think the past year, right, with the market as hot as it was the past year, you know, you guys work with hedge funds, we do as well, like hedge funds buying where they were buying, flippers being able to, you know, list a property basically as is and get, you know, 110% of market value, right? Like we were more of like a transactional company, let's be real, right? Like. I mean, let's, let's be real, right? Like wholesaling for the past year was just been like transactional, right? Like we could get a house under contract for 90%, sell it for 95, make a good little rip and just keep moving. Right. Um, we didn't really have to dig in 
to, you know, the why as much. We didn't have to dig into the situation as much. We didn't really have to provide, you know, solutions to problems like as much. Right. Um, and I think like moving forward, I think we're about to like, I think we're about to get into that where, you know, as long as we dig into those problems, we dig into like the situations, like we're going to be able to provide solutions to a lot of people. And I mean, that's, that's kind of like how I feel about it. I don't know, you know, how your, how your thoughts are on that or anything. No, dude, I feel you're spot on. It's funny. I'm smirking because <clears throat> I kind of had the conversation with my, my uh, director of acquisitions this morning. Uh, we were talking about how it's been you know pretty, pretty crappy over the past couple months from a traction standpoint, because we all know that in real estate, you lock up a deal today or you get a, you know, a hot lead that comes in today. You're probably closing it in a month, two months or so. Um, mm -hmm. So from a traction standpoint, it's been a little off over the past month or so, but um, we had a conversation today. We we're talking about how sellers have to sell, right? They freaking they have to sell and everyone's clenching now. They're holding on, not knowing what the market's doing or where, you know, where it's going, uh, essentially hoping and praying that it might go back up or stabilize. But again, the reality is they're going to have to sell. And when they do, we're going to be there to obviously make money but to solve problems and and that's mm -hmm. that's what i preach to my team as often as possible is that yeah we're making millions of dollars per year but we are solving really really big problems i mean if we look back at the past 10 deals that we closed i guarantee you probably over half of those deals wouldn't have ever been closed uh on the mls or through an agent like we right. had to go above and beyond to get those damn deals closed offer moving and advance five thousand dollars for someone to get a new rental property like we do so much problem solving that uh dude they've, they've got to sell and we're going to be here to, to, to make sure we help them out yeah no and i think that's you know again like that's like i think that moving forward is going to be the biggest like kicker right i think the companies that really thrive in the next couple months and they're still around so let's be completely frank right like um like you said, it has been tough, right? The market recently is, I think what it's going to do is I think it's going to squeeze out the companies that don't have structure, don't have meaning behind them or don't have, you know, that foresight. I think it's really going to start squeezing out a lot of those people, right? Um, which I think we're starting to see, you know, a lot of the times like where we were dealing with higher offers or, you know, whatever the case was, we're not dealing with that as much, you know? And so that's a lot, again, like what I've, you know, I'd say a common message to, you know, a lot of people in, in, you know, our seats right now is, you know, we got to ride it out. You know, we can't, we can't blame the market. We can't lean on that crutch. You know, there's still people that we can help. There's still situations where we can come in and be a solution, but we got to ride it out because in the next month, two months, three months, there's going to be a plethora of opportunities. And, you know, what I've been telling them is like, we just have to be that consistent voice, right? Um, we can't cave, right? Oh, I have an offer 15K higher than you guys. Can you match it? No, we can't. Here's why, right? And we have to be that consistent voice. And, um, and like I said, like, what we, what I told them is they might sign with somebody else. Likelihood is that they're 15K higher than where we are. They probably can't close you know, <laughs> and especially if it's another wholesaler. And so that's where, like, I think we're <clears throat> right now, like if you guys are watching or if you guys are, you know, tuning in this later, watching on YouTube or whatever, 
Um, if it's tough right now, you just got to stick with it. Stay the course, stick with it because it's going to change, right? Like you said, like people have to sell it. And I think what's happening now is there's not a lack of people that want to sell. I don't know how it is in Memphis, but I know like at least in like Northeast Florida, the, there's like over 5,000 active listings right now. And that's like doubled, you know, month over month. So people still got to sell. There's still a lot of people that want to sell. It's just a matter of timing. Right. And, you know, that's, that's been like the common message for us recently, at least. Same here, same here. Timing. And at the end of the day, it's that, that offer price, right? People are holding out waiting for something to change. And uh, it's, it's only going to get worse for a while. I mean, that's be yeah. real. It's only going to dwindle down a little more. So they're the, kid we'll that, can. they're the kid that missed the bus. Right. Exactly. And they're chasing it now. Exactly. You know, they're chasing it, hoping it's going to stop. And that driver is just one track minded going to school. <laughs> amen. Amen. I feel like I tell my that all the time. Yeah. Especially the acquisition side. Like they get frustrated with deals that were, you know, 30, 40 K cracks months ago. I'm like, guys, they're just holding out. They're holding out, but they will sell eventually. So like, like you said, we got to ride this wave and then continue to do what we're doing. And uh, I'm glad we were structured well enough to kind of withstand the storm. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. So let's dive into like, um, you know, obviously, you know, you have a family and everything like that. So you're on a 10 day hiatus, right? Um, how has, you know, obviously the wholesaling and everything and real estate, how has that like really changed your life and your family's life and, you know, your capabilities and everything? <clears throat> yeah, dude, wholesale real estate has really, uh, Dude, it's, it's life-changing, life-changing in every aspect. Uh, I never knew that uh, we could attain this type of, you know, lifestyle of freedom and wealth in, in such a short period of time. Let's call it what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, most people work a, you know, 30, 40 year job to be able to retire and, and make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe. And uh, maybe if they're lucky, if they're very lucky mm -hmm. and Dude, I mean, I have people on my team who make well over six figures every year while working from home, while living you know, a life of freedom and flexibility. Um, so, dude, it's it's been freaking amazing. My, the gratitude that I have is just it's it's massive at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, I think that's too like that's a that's another thing like you hit on earlier, right? It's like I think a lot of people look at it when you're getting into real estate. It's like there's like a ladder, right? And they look at it as like wholesaling is like that bottom ladder, right? And then that bottom rung on the ladder. And then it's like you go to flipping and then it's like you go to, you know, whatever. right? And they look at it as like different levels, right? Where, you know, I don't think that's what it is, you know? And like you said, like personally for me, I don't you know? um, like what would you say for people that are looking at getting into real estate and you know they kind of see it as like a ladder they kind of see it as whatever what would you say to people that are really looking to get into it but don't really know where to go <clears throat> dude i feel wholesale real estate is obviously in my opinion uh step one right lower lowest barrier to entry quickest way you could turn some cash um 
but you need to get to a point to where you identify uh, opportunities. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, not every deal is a wholesale deal, right? Not, not every deal is a flip deal, right? But you have to be able to have enough exits exit on your uh, on your tool belt to monetize every single potential deal, right? So that's that's why we wholesale, we innovate, we I'll flip one, like I said, once in a while if I have to. Um, we do a lot of wholesaling, right? Where we just buy a property and, and throw it right back on the market and uh, make a little, you know, quick penny on it. Um, add to your rental portfolio. Like, there's so many exits in real estate. It's bananas. And um, like you said, it's not a ladder. It's it's all right. How can I make money off this deal? What's the best exit for this particular deal and this seller situation? And and going after it. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I think like like you said, right. I think the people that look at it as like different rungs on a ladder, they mess up because they start wholesaling. And then when they start flipping, they completely like strangle or just cut off their wholesaling. Right. And then they're trying to flip, but they're having trouble sourcing deals. And I think a lot of people fall into that category, right? Where it's like, they start wholesaling, they have, they see a little bit of success and then they think, okay, let's level up, you know, or whatever it is right to flipping. And they just completely like stop their wholesaling operation. Whereas like, I mean, like for someone like you or like myself, like, I don't think I'll ever shut this thing down. You know, um, it's yeah. Yeah. what, what I, makes I, sense. It's a freaking money machine. It's a cash. Cow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think too, like, would you, would you agree that like for someone that's just getting into like wholesaling real estate, like, I would say probably two of the biggest skills to to like really study on and really master and really like get in the nitty gritty of sales and marketing. That, that's that's the majority of what this business is, right? Sales right. and marketing. Um, yeah, and and of course being as creative as possible to, to solve problems. I think that's where kind of we thrive in our particular areas because we solve a ton of freaking problems. But you said it spot on. You got to be able to sell, um, meaning you got to be able to close close a seller, and you got to be able to market. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that's the backbone of what we do. Yeah, I think like you, you know, like we touched on earlier. I think really, really getting in a nitty gritty with marketing, really really getting you know, honing in those skills and really like sharpening those skills when it comes to marketing is crucial for people starting off, right? Um, you know, I came from a sales background. So like the sales part of it was like, you know, it was just like, I don't want to say a cakewalk, but it was just like another day in the park. Right. Um, you know, it's what I'm used to, you know, that's what I did. I sold multiple different things. The marketing side for me though, was foreign, like <laughs> super foreign. Right. So like, that was a big thing that like, I had to like really like sharpen those skills at, right. Was I had to learn how to market. You know, I had to learn how to market effectively, you know, and like you said earlier, where it's not just like throwing out 10 grand and nothing comes from it, you know, because for a lot of people starting off, like a lot of people don't have 10 grand to throw at something and they can't afford to like throw 10 grand at something and not <laughs> see it, you know, and, and for me, like I remember whenever I was first starting off, like buying prop stream was an investment, $90 a month. I was looking at that and I was like looking at my account. I was like looking at my wife and I was like, oh, I got to do it. got to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so I think like, I would say like some of the biggest advice that I would give to people is like, if you're first starting off, like 
really do a self-evaluation, like what your skill set is, you know, like really do a self-evaluation, like what you're good at, what you're not good at. And on those two skill sets in particular, like sales and marketing, like I would really hone in on, you know, which one you're not that strong at. Like for me, I wasn't strong at marketing sales. I could figure it out. Right. And so I just remember like back then doing all the research I could on marketing. I mean, I was watching YouTube after podcast, after YouTube, after podcast on, you know, marketing. Uh, Cause like it up until, you know, the, the event that, you know, we met at, I hadn't done any coaching or any, you know, mentorship program or anything like that. So I was at the first like oh, wow. educational thing that I'd went to. And, uh, you know, it was, it was opening for me, right. On like the structure behind everything. Cause that's kind of where we're at is, you know, we're in that kind of like growth, like kind of ceiling right now. Um, wow. But, it's crazy impressive, dude. Cause you were, you were already killing it. I can imagine what you're doing now. Yeah. But, <clears throat> now it's you know we're we're feeling the sign of the times right um but you know like i said we're 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 pushing through right um but but yeah man so we're we're coming up on like a the 50 minute mark and you know getting closer to an hour so um really want to kind of let you leave it with you know what's what's one thing you want to kind of leave everybody with that you know kind of exemplifies, you know, you, what you believe in and, um, you know, a little bit of motivation for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So awesome. I want to, I want to empower everyone. I want everyone to know that they can essentially live a life of complete freedom simply by living out their max potential. Right. And, uh, dude, we we control everything we control Mm -hmm. or can control the majority of everything, right? Freedom is a choice. If you want to be free, whether it's being wealthy, healthy, having a great relationship with your spouse, whatever the heck you want in life, like, dude, you can make it happen. The decision is yours to make. Um, one thing I tell people a lot is, uh, you know, everything you are, right, and everything you aren't is a direct reflection of decisions that you've made. Like, mm-hmm. really think about that. Like, awesome, you where you are today because of decisions you've made. Yeah, someone broke is where they are today because of the effed up decisions they make continually. So you can attain anything in life, guys. Anything that you want is attainable as long as you make the decision and and the choice and you go after it. It's possible. Boom. Rashad, man, I appreciate you, man. That was, I I couldn't agree more, man. Um, So hang in, hang in for a second and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll link up after this. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in to the today's episode of the Real Impact. Um, you know, again, Rashard had a great message. You know, so stay tuned. Um, we got another another great episode for you guys next week. Peace.